Hello, welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. My name is Mikey, and I'm a part of our high school ministry here at the church. On this episode, our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, continues in our series on experiencing the presence of God. If you want to watch the video of the message or listen to this week's worship, you can do so on our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or on our Brookwood Church app. We pray this message encourages you in your walk with Christ. song. That was an experience of worship where we discern the spirit. You see the difference? You can get whipped up at a concert. If you say, well, I didn't feel anything. I think now's the time to say, God, do do I know you? Does your spirit reside in me? These kids, I guess I'm four times older than them, so I can call them kids, but Maybe not quite that many. Well, no, close. <laughs> but, I, you know, don't they inspire you when young people have that kind of faith? Uh, I'm inspired, too. I was worried about getting a rug, but Cam's, I think I can get one, even dyed a different color now. But um, We continue our series called Experiencing God. You have your workbooks? Yes. You're doing your, bo- your work? Yes. This, to me, and I've done, I don't know, I've something over 100 workbooks in my life, and I'd say this is one of the finest. What it deals with is the most important, and it's expressed very well. It leaves you room to think and pray and consider. So please, buy it. It's cheap. It's in the bookstore, but it can really have an effect on your life, and particularly as we work through this series. Today we are deal with the reality number two. And if you've taken out your program, these guys got me all off stride here. Theme verse for today's message is from Mark chapter 12. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, And all your strength. I I could just dismiss you now, but I want us to I want us to sit on that. You know, familiarity is the enemy of growth. And we have so skimmed over these verses, and because we are familiar with them, we think we're there. But read that challenge. All your heart all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. See, God wants us to know him and to worship him, to serve him and to obey him. Most of all, though, he wants us to love him with all of our being. See, your relationship with God, his love for you, your love for him, provides the foundation for your Christian life, but it's also the essence of your Christian life. You won't mature 
surpassed your ability to love God. Now we're focusing on Moses' relationship with God, but as, as I've said each week, we could look at others, David, we could look at Paul, we could look at Abraham, but we're focusing primarily on Moses and discovering truths and principles of how God relates to every one of us who are his children. So back to Exodus 3 again. I touched this in the introduction. And in this Bible, it's on page 49. Beginning at verse 1. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. But you've seen he also has another name. What was it? Ruel, yeah. The priest of Midian. Isn't it interesting? God put him in the family with a priest who could instruct him. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. He'd be back there later, wouldn't he? To receive the Ten Commandments. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. Now we want to see and discover some aspects of a love relationship with God. First, the love relationship with God is initiated by whom? I want y'all to not miss this. I'm afraid in American culture, in American cultural Christianity, we have put faith totally in human hands. We can have it or not have it at our choice. But the scripture is very plain. God is the initiator of faith, of relationship. Exodus chapter three, back to that, verse four. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. God calls to each of us in the same way that he called to Moses. Probably not out of a burning bush, but in some direct way so that we know we have no doubt it is him speaking. He introduces himself to us in an encounter. He reveals himself as a reality because he wants to have a relationship with us. God loved us before we loved him. He showed it in a very tangible way by sending his son as a sacrifice for our sins. That that enabled a relationship. But then he calls to us just as he did Moses. 1 John 4.10. This is real love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. 
God always makes the first move in a love relationship. God ignited the bush. First, he sent the angel of the Lord into the bush, ignited the bush before he called Moses' name. See, we need for God to seek us because we would not search for him. Jesus said, Luke 19, I come to seek and to save the lost. He didn't say, I make myself available so the lost can find me. I seek them out. See, sin affects us so deeply and sin is a self-centering substance within us. So it causes us to close in on ourselves, to be consumed with self, to be concerned only about personal issues so that we will not seek, we certainly won't submit to God. So he comes to us and he shows us himself. Do you remember when that happened to you? We don't, we can't come to God unless the Spirit of God reveals His identity to us. Matthew 16, 15 through 17. And He causes us to want to come to Him. John 6, 44. John 6, 63 and 60 through 65. Has God called you? Now give me an answer. Has God called have you responded? Yes. Have you responded? I couldn't hear that. Yes. A love relationship with God is also indicated by my devotion. God created us to love us, but he also desires what? that we love him. Two ways, two directions. Psalm 37, four, look at this. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. But I want you to think about this a moment. Delight in the Lord. Now the word delight's a Hebrew word, anag. And what it means literally is to enjoy, be fond of, take pleasure in. Have you experienced that with God? To enjoy, to be fond of, to take pleasure in. See, when we love someone, we delight in them. And we, we experience joy in their presence. You know what I'm talking about? If you love your spouse, you, you enjoy it when they walk through the door. Isn't that right, Melvin, is that right? You enjoy it when they just show up. They don't have to do anything different. They don't have to be dressed any certain way. You just delight in their presence. You, do y'all know what I'm talking about here? You take pleasure in their attention. 
when they turn their attention to you, it pleases you. You may have not said it that way, but you feel it, don't you? And consequently, you desire to please that person you delight in. Is that right? If you've got a problem in your house, well, you should do this, well, you do that, well, you don't do this for me, you don't do that. There's not a delight going on there. And there may not be a lot of loving. You see what I'm saying? This, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to, uh, what happened to, I delight to please you because something happens to me when I just see that joy on your face. John 14, 21. Those who accept my commandments and obey me are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Obedience is the outward expression of love for God. It demonstrates that you trust him. That you believe that he always and only wants what's best for you. So his limitations on you, even his correction of you, you will know is for your good. Is that right? If you refuse to obey, if there's an area of your life right now, you know you're in disobedience. It means your love for God is weak. That was an affirmation. <laughs> now, some of you may want to spar over that. You can't, get a, you can't escape that statement. Whatever disobedience is in your life is showing the shallowness of your love for God. And there aren't any exceptions. You get that, Susie? If a child rebels, refuses to obey, what it reveals is a weakness in the areas of love and trust with parents. Is that true? Well, I didn't do anything. He was just, there's a weakness in that love connection. I don't know when it was formed. I don't know what fractured it. I don't know if it was never developed. I don't know. I can't give you the inception of it. I'm just telling you there's a weakness in the love, trust relationship. 1 John 2 is 15. Because weakness in our love for God also is revealed in our attachment to this world. Don't love this world or the things it offers you. When you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. 
worldly involvements may be replacing or at least distracting from the love of God. And this is both love from God and love for God that's missing in your life. Is that fair? Now I'm saying even wholesome activities. I mean, hobbies, sports, recreation, music, reading, friends, family, even phones. Perhaps especially phones can leave little time to develop a relationship with God. Do you find it difficult to make time for God? Too busy for Bible reading, bored with prayer, disinterested in in meeting with other Christians. Do you refuse to serve and rarely give? And when you give, you don't give generously. Look at this, Matthew. Y'all know this passage again, but hang on. No one can serve two masters. You'll hate one, love the other. You'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. Y'all believe that? Boy, boy, that, y'all want me to just get off this point, don't you? Who, who doesn't believe that? If your money controls you, your love for God's shallow. It's weak. Well, no, I love God more. How much do you give? If I told y'all how little the giving is in a church this large per capita, it would break your heart. And the things we can't do and we can't take care of a need in India or other needs because the giving is so meager. If you won't give, it's a love problem. Because if you love, you trust. I mean, some of y'all won't even tip generously. If that's true of you, it's controlling you. It's controlling you. And you can't love God and money. You can't love God and money. If you truly love God, that love will influence your entire life. How you use your time, how you spend your money, how you make decisions, how you treat people, how you conduct your business, whom you date, who you marry, what you say, how you live. I'm not putting it up, but 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 say Christ's love controls us. And we live for him. The more you love God and the more you experience his love for you, the more you will want time alone with him to talk and enjoy his presence. You know, when you go to bed, do you, are you eager to, to talk to God? When you get a moment alone, do you say, I can, I can talk to God now? 
And you know what it is. And there's a joy, there's an excitement to enter the presence of God. You can. A love relationship with God is intimate and it's practical. Back to Exodus. Verse 5. Don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. See, what what you understand looking at this is God saw Moses. He knew he had on sandals. He knew he was getting too close. He cared about Moses. He said, take off your shoes. You're in a place you don't need to be walking in shoes. See, in the first place, God knew Moses' inquisitive, curious personality, didn't he? Some people, if he had caused a bush to ignite, they would have ran. He knew Moses well enough to know if he ignites this bush, Moses says, I got to see what's going on here. It's personality. It's personality. And then he talked talked to him directly and he, he addressed even what he was wearing and said, you need to make a few changes here on your clothes. In Exodus 33, 11, it says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. In Numbers 12, 7, he says, Moses is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face clearly and not in riddles. And he sees the Lord as he is. What he did with Moses, he'll do with you. Moses was just a man God selected because he saw Moses' character. Throughout the Bible, God heard what people were saying. He knew what they felt. He certainly understood their real needs and he responded to them in real, in personal, in practical ways. I used to believe that the closest anyone could come to God, come to knowing God, was by studying the Bible, reading books, reviewing commentaries. And I have a huge library. I have two rooms full of library, don't I? But you know what? I've encountered God in a very real way, a very personal way that reveals his approachable nature and, and his, also his intimate awareness of me. Y'all know this passage, Matthew 6. Don't worry about these things. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? And these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but they should not dominate our thoughts. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Your father knows what you need. Live righteously. He'll give you everything you need. 
God knows and he'll provide what we truly need. But often it comes by him reshaping our perspectives on what we need. By transforming our character. I mean, you could summarize this whole message in one statement. Your relationship with God is the single most important aspect of your life. Those of you that are on dating apps, start with that. They'll be flipping you off of there so fast. You... But you don't want anyone who won't say, that's what I'm looking for. God alone can fulfill the deep longings of your soul that we try to satisfy with activities, with entertainment, with purchases, with human relationships, with sports. There's nothing wrong with football. I love football, but some of you are so consumed with your chickens or your, your kitty cats or your, <laughs> or your puppies. I want y'all to hear me on this. Now, this is, this is a serious thing. Because we're looking to those things to fill up something inside us. And when there's a loss, some of you are in depression. There's something missing. I want you to, I mean, it's okay to laugh at it, but I want you to think seriously. Are we looking for some things in this world to supply what should only and can only be supplied by God? Does that, does that make sense? Only by God. Only by God. And some of us have great difficulty even dealing with this issue of loving God. Yes, we obey. Yes, we serve. Yes, we give. Yes, we worship. But we can't really say we love him. I mean, how can you love God? And if we're honest, many of us think God is not satisfied with us. In fact, he's disappointed with, he's even critical of us and our meager efforts to please him. The inability to feel love or acceptance by God is often related to a parent, most typically a father, whom we could never please, who treated us with neglect or criticism or distance from their absence, perhaps a divorce. Perhaps harshness or even, even worse, abuse. And it caused us to believe about ourselves that we were unacceptable, unlovable, and about God that he's unpleasable. We don't measure up. And so this belief that was formed with experiences with earthly parents extends to includes our heavenly parent. And often without us knowing it. If I'm describing you, I want you to grasp that God knows you fully. That God accepts you completely. That God always and only relates to you in love. How do I know this? Well, I'm a father. And I'm also a grandfather of a wonderful two-year-old. I think he's here. (laughs) 
You're all right. Tell these people what you call me. <laughs> My daddy's in there. Your daddy's over there, isn't he? And now you're out here with who? I'm out here with you. <laughs> What's more wonderful than a two-year-old? Three in January, right? Do you think I'm disappointed when he makes a mess? Am I upset when he'd rather play with a toy than snuggle up to me? No. But you know what? I really appreciate it. And I delight every time he seeks me out. You see yourself? (laughs) When he comes and grabs me in the concourse by my leg, there isn't a greater moment that can possibly happen. And I give you, what do I give you to eat at my house? You did me turkeys. I gave you turkey, yeah. But what you like is in that little jar, in that jar is those M&Ms. Remember those? And also those cookies. Remember those cookies? And Pop Pop gives you how many of them? Two. And you don't have to, what? <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> Lily gives you three. But you know what? This boy doesn't have to earn them. He doesn't have to deserve them. Just because we delight in him. He gives you, she gives you turkey, yes. Pop Pop gives you M&Ms. Which one you want? <laughs> but he can, he can do nothing to make me stop. And I want you to understand this. God is a better, more loving father than me and grandfather too. And he loves each of us better than I love Brooks. Individually, personally, practically, fully, perfectly. And yet Pop-Pop calls you what? I call you Brooks and I don't, you remember what else I call you? Sweet. Sweetheart. Sweet. <laughs> but here's my question. All right, I'll let you go back. Grab your daddy. Thank you, Brooks. But I want you to, I I brought him out here because I want you to understand. I don't think any of you would doubt my, my delight in this little boy. And yet God has that in a more perfect way for you. For you. And so anytime you think God is relating you to you in a way other than I would relate to Brooks or your own parent that loved you relate to you, you're wrong. You're wrong. 
Do you want to know God's love for you? Do you? Then you have to start asking his spirit, what do you want me to know about your love for me? And you got to sit till you hear and you keep asking till you hear. And I will promise you, God will speak to you. Counselors will be here. Come on, counselors. They'll pray with you today. Baptism is at two o'clock. But let me encourage you, let's reorient our lives so that love from God is the thing we seek most in our lives and love for God is the thing that we're most motivated to display. Father, we thank you for your love for us. Help us to know it and help us to return it. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for coming. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so you experience transformed life. One of the ways you can do that is by getting connected at Brookwood. Email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326 to get in contact with our Connections team. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day.